morning, everybody. Um, it's great to have you here, to have an opportunity to, uh, to meet again. And I know we're not together, but I also realize um, we've been on this theme lately, um, CLC everywhere. And so that's been sort of fun, just actually seeing how people are, are really stepping up and helping with things. So I'm going to actually um, pray as we um, are, are grateful for the band that just um, led us in worship. Let's, let's pray together. So God, um, coming out of worship, we are grateful for your goodness and your love and for all that you can continue to do in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. And so uh, we give you praise and thanks today, and we ask that you would um, just capture us. We pray that the words of the message today would encourage our hearts and and help us to remember um, what an awesome God you are. So we ask this and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't think I introduced myself. My name's Gary Arntasoni. I'm one of the pastors here at CLC. And today we're actually going to look a little bit at what I call the spiritual practice of remembering. But we'll get to that in a minute. So I wanted to also continue to let you know that there's a lot of things available for you here at CLC. And um, Megan Laff and Jeanette have been working on all kinds of things for families. And so um, continue to look because there's a, um, a Facebook page at 1 p.m. on Fridays. They can You can look at sort of the kids zone sneak peek videos um, three o'clock p.m. on Fridays there's a way to access the kids zone family worship guide and things like that so want you to be aware of that and um, continue to think about that and then also um, there's a graduate walk that's actually out in our um, parking lot I would encourage you to actually get in your car and sort of um, coast down that that um, walkway and see all the different signs that are up that are um, announcing seniors who are graduating. It's been um, Christian Hessling and Steph Doyle have put that together. It's really a great thing. And, you know, in a, in a time when we can't really gather together to celebrate graduations, um, just a nice way to honor students, high school students who are graduating. So we're grateful for that as well. And so um, also today, it's Memorial Day weekend. And, um, you know, we just want to say that we're really, really um, grateful for those who have served in military service of any kind. I, um, you saw we had the, the video at the very beginning of the service. And, um, but I also remember, um, you know, I used to go every year, my family and I would go to um, West Whiteland Park, which was actually in East Goshen, Pennsylvania. And, and there was always a, um, a gazebo with a band that played an orchestra. And at certain points, they would play the song for every branch of the military service. And they would have anybody who was a veteran stand up. And it was always very humbling. But I just want to say that we appreciate your service. We appreciate um, the sacrifices you have made and realize that today, um, with the way that um, armed services are gone and some of the difficulties that people face even after that, that um, we're grateful for your service to the country. So just wanted to say that and, um, and get us thinking about that as, as well. So thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, today, um, because of that, actually, because of Memorial Day weekend, I've been thinking about this whole um, practice of remembering. And I, I just want to say that um, this is a topical sermon today. So it's a little different than what we usually do. I'm going to be all over the place in the Bible. But it's interesting because the reality is that, um, that the Bible is full of times where it encourages us to remember. In fact, it actually tells us that when we forget stuff, we get in trouble. So um, this is a focus on how we really um, 
how we really remember who God is and what God's come to do. So here's, you know, we all get a little bit worried about um, our own memories. I mean, what, what's your earliest memory? Just take a moment now and sort of think about that. Like, what's the earliest memory you have? And when I was growing up, you know, we had lots of memories and things that were going on. But what was interesting for me is my parents actually filmed a lot of the occasions. And so sometimes I even get confused between what was a memory actual memory and what was actually seeing it on film so what was your first memory and you know memories are important in fact we worry about mental health we worry about our ability to remember and how that happens older and so uh, memory is an important issue for us to think about Maybe you heard about this guy named John. Um, he had a really horrible memory, and one day John ran to a friend that he hadn't seen for a long time named Bill, and he said, hey, Bill, do you remember the bad memory I had before? And Bill said, I certainly do. Well, John said, it's not that bad anymore. I went to a seminar that taught me how to remember things. It was a great seminar, and now I have a wonderful memory. And Bill answered, that's great. What was the name of the seminar? Well, John said, um, wait a minute, my wife went with me and I'll ask her. And so he turned and saw his wife standing a few feet away. And then he turned back to Bill and he said, what's the name of that flower that um, has, you know, uh, petals and it's red and it has stickers? And Bill said, oh, do you mean a rose? And he said, yeah. He said, hey, Rose, what was that seminar we went to? So that's the joke. You know, my, uh, my brother-in-law told me I should bring a laugh track, but I didn't bring it. So anyway, I hope you get that. So, so there is a pattern throughout all of Scripture that has remembrance embedded in it. Um, it moves from Genesis all the way through the book of Re Revelation. And it reminds us that there are several aspects of remembering that are vital to our relationship with God. So when I begin carving out time to be quiet before God and I focus on remembering, uh, one of the starting places for me is always in the book of Deuteronomy. And so if you look actually at some point, I would encourage you to read through Deuteronomy um, chapter 1 through 11. Um, you can see the overall practice of remembering that continues to be put together for the, um, for the, for the, uh, the Jewish people. But at the same time, Deuteronomy 4.9 actually sums it up very nicely. So here's what Deuteronomy 4.9 says. It's from the New Revised Standard Version in case you're looking at a different version. The writer says, and this is Moses, actually, so what we believe is that, um, you know, Moses went through Exodus and recorded everything that happened there with the people of Israel being freed. But then Deuteronomy becomes a kind of commentary back on what happened in the book of Exodus. So Deuteronomy 4.9 says, but take care and watch yourself closely so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So that's sort of a summary of where we're going to go today. And we're going to, we're going to take a wild ride of going and looking at um, memorial stones in Joshua 3 and 4. We're going to go to see what Jesus encourages us to remember. We're going to have a good sort of overview of this whole idea of remembering. And the reason for it is because remembering is not just some kind of sort of trim, trendy tip. It's actually a command. Um, and contextually what's happening here is Moses is speaking to the Israelites as they prepare to enter into the promised land. 
but he can't go with them because he's broken God's law and so he's going to stay behind but he offers them a crash course in the history of who they are and he does this in order to encourage them to remember what God has done so that they can then live out God's promise so it's a simple message I mean here it is in a nutshell remember who you are remember where you came from remember how you've seen God at work and then share what you have seen and experienced with your children and with their children's children and everybody else that you come into contact with. So the focus is, remember God. Remember God's story and how God's story actually has connected with your story and become one story. So today there's three areas we're really going to look at. Um, the first is the deliverance from the past. How do we get delivered from the past? And then the second thing is the benefits in the present. And then finally, the promises in the future. So let's remember, um, first of all, God's faithfulness and deliverance in the past. So our faith actually requires a disciplined remembrance so that we can interpret our present circumstances in terms of God's faithfulness in the past. When people had a fresh knowledge of God's mercy and faithfulness, they always responded with wholehearted obedience. In fact, failure to remember always resulted in problems. In Judges 3.7, we read, And the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord and served the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. So there's the problem, is when we forget then we go back and we do the things that actually separate us from God. But we're called actually to rehearse the mighty acts of God, to meditate on them. Um, we're called to remember the things that God has done. And actually the psalmist in 143 verse 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I study the works of your hands. So God is inviting us to do that. One writer said this, and I thought this was worth saying, that a disciplined remembrance is essential in biblical faith because we're called to interpret our present circumstance in the light of God's known faithfulness in the past. So you know, all those miraculous things that happened in the book of Exodus and throughout the Old Testament and all the things that God did in the New Testament that Jesus showed up and did, all these things are part of that biblical faith that we can rest in. But the opposite of that is that when we forget our story, then we also forget who we are. And we forget why we're here and what our purpose is and our mission is. If we've forgotten our own story, we don't fully understand our present role in it. And so this is important. It's important to remember. And God knows that the gravitational pull of human awareness that, that actually sort of draws us always to be forgetting. God's people are always in danger of losing their memory, of forgetting who they are. And, and in doing that, they forget who they belong to. So this verse just says, remember to remember. Uh, remember the stories of God's people. And so here in the book of Deuteronomy, we see Moses' final address, and he's about to cross, they're about to cross the Jordan River, but he's not going with them. And so he says, remember, remember not to forget. 
don't forget to remember remember to remember he says be careful watch yourselves closely so you don't forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live but rather teach them to your children and to their children after them and so Moses anticipates um, in this that there are certain ways in which we oftentimes um, are tempted he says you know what I don't want you to do and this is Deuteronomy 8 and we're not going to show that on the screen but listen to it it says when you've eaten and are satisfied praise the Lord your God for the God the good land that he's given you be careful that you don't forget the Lord is good and then he says but be careful of this because you may eventually now that you're not slaves in Egypt anymore you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms the covenant which he swore to your ancestors today so it's interesting there's been a change in what's been happening in the book of Exodus in the book of Deuteronomy see the people of Israel are no longer slaves um, but now they can actually accumulate their own wealth they no longer just supplement Pharaoh's economy but now they can begin to see to their own needs. And so this freedom that they have brings with it some dangers as well. So we need to learn practices that help us to remember God's mighty acts. So how do we remember it? Well, um, Moses provides his people with what we call certain kinds of memory practices. They're intentional deliberate patterns of behavior that remind them of their story and 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 we need to learn how to build these into the rhythms of our lives so that we can actually stop and remember and so as we work through and look through parts of Deuteronomy Moses says these things to them he says make sure to proclaim your faith he says make sure to observe the Sabbath give thanks for their blessings take times to be thankful to God take time to confess your sins celebrate the Passover together tithe and give make sure that everybody in your community is taken care of act with justice and compassion towards each other um, recognize the immigrant and the orphan that's in your midst and don't forget the poor and this is all throughout the book of Deuteronomy that these things are brought out and so doing all of these things helps the Israelite people to remember their story. But there's another thing that's really important for us in this, because by remembering what God did, then I more clearly see who God is. I understand God better. And, and it works this way for me. Um, by remembering the mistakes of the ones that were made by the characters in the Bible, I can grieve sort of the rampant sin that I see oftentimes in humanity by remembering my own sin I'm always reminded that I'm in need of a savior like everybody else is by remembering the healthy and the joyous seasons that I've experienced I can sit in the awe um, of what God has done and even if they're no longer there I can still rejoice in them and by remembering that God promised humanity from the beginning of time all the promises that God's made I can rest in knowing that I'm secure in my faith in Christ so doing these things remind me of God's story 
but it also engages every part of who I am and draws my eyes away from the world and, and the sort of thinking that I can do it all by myself and, or even the negative, like why is this happening to me? And it directs my eyes back to God who is the giver of life. So as we remember, there are times when we feel pain or sometimes we feel like maybe life is pointless, but the reality is there are two parts to this story. There's my part, but there's also the Bible's part, and these two things need to come together. All of our lives, every single moment, are a testament to God's work and faithfulness on our behalf. So God reminds them. He gives them memorials. He jogs their memory, says, shows up and leads them, and says, remember who you are and who you belong to. Remember your story and and, and I like to think of it this way. You know, this whole idea of ancestors, we, we all stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Every single one of us owes something to somebody else who has paved the way or invited us in or discipled us or mentored us and, and that these are part of the things that we need to remember. So how do we do that? Well, I think we have to organize our lives around uh, practices of memory that, because these are spiritually helpful. So, so I would encourage you to think about spending time remembering, remembering your life, remembering God showing up in your life, and to make it a kind of spiritual practice. Um, when um, we look at Scripture, we see over and over and over again that this is a theme that God wants us to be aware of. So at this point, I'm going to actually look at Psalm 111. And it's, it's a psalm that's written that says uh, it's a psalm of praise for God's wonderful work. So listen as I read this. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of the covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So this psalm reminds us to think about, and not just think about, but to actually study the great works of the Lord. In fact, it says that they are studied by all who delight in them. 
So part of this spiritual practice is actually inviting us into a time of studying and thinking about how God shows up. And, and the works of the Lord are not just limited to creation because the psalmist also has in mind God's saving acts for all the people of God. Everything that God says in his word and does in the world serves as a prompt for us to remember. Indeed, that's exactly what God's intention was. He caused or made his wonders so that they could be remembered and he could be exalted. Verse 4 said he gained renown by his wonderful deeds and the Lord is gracious and merciful. But the problem is that all too often we miss the message and we forget. Um, some don't, however, and they start to delight and study. You know, when you delight in something, it requires stopping and noticing it. It, it, you attend to it, you treasure it. It's, it's as if you had a photograph of a young, your young child and you're looking at it and you, know, you sort of study it and look at it. Um, but you want to look at it because it means something to you. And although sometimes this word study can sound a little passive or abstract, in the Hebrew it's actually very active. It's eager, it's brimming with life. It means to seek out, to care, to search after, to inquire, to examine, even to interrogate. And so that's what biblical remembering actually looks like. It's an actively, earnestly, deliberately reflecting on God, thinking carefully about what God has said, and also thinking about what God has done. It's a rehearsing, a recalling, relishing his story and our role in it. Thinking, thanking God, praising God, um, thanking God for rescuing us, for giving us the gifts and opportunities we've had for service, but also for life. And acknowledging who we are and that we belong to God. So this is all really important for us. So remembering actually requires deliberate action. Forgetting doesn't really require any special effort. It just happens. It's actually part of our gravitational pull. If we don't attend to God's words and works, we lose our delight in them. And when we lose our delight in them, then we lose our way. We lose our perspective. We forget who we are, and we forget who we belong to. So we need to remember. Moses says, remember to remember so there's a challenge here as well. You know, when it comes to remembering God's faithfulness, we can be really forgetful. And one sort of striking example of this is actually found in the book of Exodus chapter 14 and 16. And um, it's here that just after being released from um, Pharaoh in Egypt, um, we see the Israelites, they're delivered, um, but they're grumbling because they don't have food to eat. <laughs> and you just want to say to them, don't you remember what God just did for you? Uh, you know, God made the water stand up in two walls so that you could walk right through the Red Sea on dry ground. Don't you think that God who did that is actually capable of providing food for you? Trust him. But, but then again, we remember that we do the same sort of thing, right? Um, oftentimes, God answers a prayer for us, but what happens is we're actually already moving on. We're sort of ignoring that God's answer came, and we're moving on to the next problem, the next struggle, and we're trying to figure out what's our next gripe or complaint. So we also have to find ways to actually um, 
remember God, to actually create space in our lives so that we can remember. It's always a challenge to remember, and Israel was challenged with this, and and God knows that we're forgetful, and so God actually provides us with memorials. And so I'm going to now look at Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, and then also Joshua 4, verses 1 through 7, and and get a little picture of this memorial that God is helping them to set up. It's a wonderful story, and, but there's a problem that the people are facing because they have, to ju- they have to cross the Jordan River, but it's at flood stage. And so it's pretty intimidating as they get to it. And so Joshua three fourteen through 17 says this, When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Jerethan. While those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. There's an interesting kinds of points here. I mean, one thing is that they actually had to step into the river in order for this miracle to happen. But there's a next part that's really important too because this becomes something that God says, you're going to remember this. I'm going to encourage you to remember this. And so it goes on, and this is chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, select 12 men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood. Carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the 12 men from the Israelites, whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of Israel so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what did those stones mean to us? What do they mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. So here's the interesting sort of thing. I, you know, God encourages us to set up memorials, to remember things. The Israelites pick up these stones, but they don't just simply leave them there. They actually bring them with them to the next camp. And it's kind of memorial so that they remember God's dealings with them. It, it's a way to remember their own experience. Um, it's actually that they were there, that this happened, that they can talk about it. 
And it's a way to actually challenge us to keep a clear memory of what God has done. So one of the questions that comes in this is, what has God done for you? How do you unpack your story? And so keeping on telling the stories over and over helps us to recapture the wonder of God in our lives. So what kinds of memorials do you have in your life? Whether we realize it or not, we all do have them. We have memories and things that we've thought about. We have oftentimes memories of places, you know, and, and they trigger certain thoughts in us. Um, for me, I remember teaching a Bible study one time as a high school student, and I was a senior, but I went back about two years after that, kept teaching this lunchtime Bible study, and it was at that point in my life that I actually realized I was being called into ministry. But there's also for us, there's memories of people. There's people that have encouraged us and that have been with us, that have mentored us and have helped us to hear the call of God. But how often do you actually sit with those memories and maybe thank God for those that he's used in your life? These are memories and experiences. God answering prayer, God's marvelous hand of provision. And they're also reminders of the past that God is with us. God will be with us. God will guide us. So I want you to maybe part of this sermon and part of the action from this would be spend some time thinking through your own memorial stones. Let them draw you closer to God. Let them remind you of God's faithfulness. And also remember that we're reminded again and again that um, these stones become a basis of sharing faith with our children. And so Moses said, again, in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off. Excuse me, it's Joshua who said that. That tell them that the Jordan was cut off before the Lord and, and the waters of it were cut off. And so God cut off the water. And so, so allow these stones to be a kind of memorial to the people of Israel forever, a memorial to us as well. So, that's one way that we can actually let the reality of our life point to God's faithfulness, grace, and love. And not only were the, um, these rocks and signposts, but they were actually a reminder to the whole world that God was on the move and God was doing things. So we're reminded, remember God's deliverance. Remember God's faithfulness. And, and we see that this is a difficult thing because the fact is we're all guilty of forgetting. I'm guilty of forgetting. And so every time that I allow fear to lead me into some kind of irrational thinking, I've forgotten the story that I'm a part of. Every time I hold the approval of others higher than the approval of God, then I've forgotten my story. Every time I try to sort of muscle my way to the top or prove that my own importance, I've, I've forgotten who I am. I forget what God's voice sounds like. My discernment sort of tanks, and I feel like I'm underground in an avalanche without an awareness of which way is up and which way is down. And, and when I forget... I give the enemy an opportunity to come in and actually um, feed me lies that are not truths. 
It isn't until I remember again that I can find my way back to God and to God's faithfulness. So remember to remember. Don't forget. And this brings us to the second part of this, that we also want to remember the benefits in the present. Um, God is with us. We have this understanding of who Emmanuel is, that Jesus comes. And so we have this idea today that, that God is actually with us, present with us, always with us. And so whenever we think about our day-to-day, -day, it's a day that's filled with God's presence. And so in his book, Holy Spirit Power, Charles Spurgeon writes about the different characteristics of the Holy Spirit, and it's an advocate, but it's also a comforter, and that's the same word that's used there, that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside of us. And so he writes this, and he says, it's not by any new revelation that the Spirit comforts us. Um, he does so by telling us old things over and over again. He brings a fresh lamp to manifest the hidden treasures and scriptures. He unlocks the strong chests where the truth had been long, and he points to secret chambers filled with untold, uh, untold riches. However, he mints no new coins, for enough has been done. There is enough in the Bible for you to live on forever. So Spurgeon reminds us that, uh, that God's Spirit actually helps us to remember helps us to remember that we are in that story and this verse that comes out of John 14 26 which we'll come to later in this sermon as well says that the helper the Holy Spirit um, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance everything that's been told to you so we have the opportunity to be reminded by the Holy Spirit so here's sort of a reflection question What's your story? How did you come to believe? What were the events of your life that actually brought you to a point where you were willing to bring your life before Jesus Christ and, and offer it to him? You know, sometimes we talk about this as a kind of testimony, but another kind of word that's often used that I like as well is a spiritual autobiography. Spiritual autobiography is simply where we think through how it is that God has actually been at work in our lives. And it's a way of recapturing our, our memory, of, of seeing how God has been at work so that we can then give thanks to God for what God has done. And you know what's interesting is sometimes, you know, I can't see God's hand at all. But then later, maybe a year later even, I'll look back and I'll say, oh, now I know why that happened. So one of the things that you can do, and one of the practices in this whole idea of our testimony, our spiritual autobiography, is to actually sit down and consider some of the moments and times of your own life. Sometimes people start with big chunks, like they might take childhood as one whole chunk of life, or an adolescence as another one, and then adulthood as a third one. Or you might even think about sort of seasons of faith. Like, where were there times when you felt close to God or times when you felt distant from God? And what was going on there? But, but in those moments, it's thinking through who God is, what God was doing in your life, and capturing that. So it's important to sit with the emotions of all of this and not to try to somehow erase them, and, but to recognize, actually, that God has been present with us through everything that's gone on. 
So our lives are actually a kind of spiritual journey of coming to know God better, to trust God more, to, to embrace God's faithfulness in the past, but also to realize that God is present with us right now and that God will lead us into the future. And so we go through these patterns, though. We go through patterns of forgetting and of remembering. So Eve, in the Garden of Eden, forgot, and it cost the future of humanity a great deal. Abraham and Sarah, they remembered. They forgot, and then they remembered again. Aaron forgot. Ruth remembered. Hannah remembered and stood by her word. David forgot, slept with Bathsheba, killed Uriah, and then he remembered again. Nehemiah remembered and pleaded with God on behalf of his people. Daniel remembered and was kept safe in the lion's den. Mary remembered. Peter forgot, but then he remembered again as well. So as you remember, be sure to give thanks to God. Let gratitude grow in you. Um, it's, not about, it's also about thanking God for God's blessings right now in the present. And so gratitude at its root is really a choice. It's not a feeling. And so when we look at being grateful people, um, it's a choice that we make. And maybe one of the things that you can do is actually bookend your day with gratitude. I mean, maybe it starts by getting up and praying that prayer first thing in the morning, uh, thanking God for a new day. And, and then perhaps at the end of the day, the other bookmark comes in or the other bookend comes in and you say, and thank you, God, for what you did in me today. G.K. Chesterton, in writing um, in the 19th century, talked about declaring and having a kind of gratitude in everything. Here's a quote by him. He says, you say grace before meals, all right, but I say grace before the play and the opera, and grace before the concert and the pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching and painting and swimming and fencing, boxing and walking and playing and dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. So Chesterton's words actually illustrate the power of how these small acts and thoughts over time, when they're added up, actually produces a different kind of mindset in us. And a habit starts to develop, a habit that opens us up to God. And so we become more inclined to look for good things that come along instead of immediately focusing on the things that are difficult or bad. And we see this happening a lot through the Jewish festivals in the Old Testament times of remembrance. And so this was nothing new to the people of Israel. They had already been through all kinds of things. Um, when they knew about these memorial stones, they also had different practices. I mean, they had a regular, um, a regular Shabbat or the Sabbath. And so every day, everything stopped and they took Saturday off. And they built into their lives these different festivals. They celebrated Rosh Hashanah, which was the new year. And it, remarked, or it marked the beginning of the year. The Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, was obviously really important. And it was the one day that was decreed as a day of fasting in the Bible. 
But they also did one, and this is where I wanted to spend just a little bit of time. Um, they actually spent some time in what's known as the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is where they enacted and relived what it was like to actually be out in the desert. And so they would um, begin to um, erect what they called sakat, which were booths for temporary dwellings. And they were booths, booths that represented how the Israelites lived when they were in the desert. And so you'll find that um, even today in Israel, there's this time when they begin to put all of these different booths together. And so sometimes they will actually live in those for a couple of weeks. And sometimes they'll um, actually just have their meals there for about six, um, six days, literally living in their sakat. And then there's also the Passover celebration. And, and the thing that's interesting about the Passover is that they also have um, a kind of cleansing of the unleavened or the leaven of anything. And so they actually have a kind of ceremonial build, burning of food stuff. And anything that has leaven in it is burned. But at these, all of these occasions, the extended family gathers and they read together and they study together and they worship together and and they remember together all that God has done and I think that we can learn a lot from them we can learn a lot from our um, Israelite uh, ancient um, heritage that God is with us in the midst of it and so all of these things actually when we build on them that that God is there to deliver us in the past, that God is present with us all, all now, helps us to remember that God will also direct us in the future. Someone once said, I, I love this phrase, the Hebrew was called to walk, as it were, backwards into the future. So we are called to be the people of God, and, and our looking needs to be back so that we remember all the awesome things that God has done because those are the things that then come with us into the future. And so Joshua and the Israelites, they came to the Jordan, and it was at flood stage, and, and Joshua halted their fears, and, and as he, they stepped into the water, it began to pile back upstream. And then millions of Israelites walked across, and each priest lifted a huge stone, and those stones became the reminders, and they became a memorial to God's good work and God's good presence among the people. W.T. Perkiser said, let us determine to make the past a stepping stone and not a stumbling block, a compass with which to chart the course and not a pier at which to dock the vessel. And so as we look to all of this, we're reminded that God is with us in the midst of it. And as we look to this, we're reminded that, that Jesus is with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. And so Jesus also reminds us that God has done these mighty acts. And when we look at Jesus' theology and how he looked at what was happening with Israel during the time that he was here, he appealed to the precedent of God's mighty acts of creating humanity. Um, but he also did that in light of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God that was coming. He appealed to God's thunderous under utterance of the Ten Commandments. Um, and he did that to sort of nullify the human tradition of the Jewish elders. He appeal, appealed to God's um, appearance to Moses in the bur burning bush and 
talked about this being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he did this to refute the Sadducees' denial of the resurrection. But we see in this history of God's mighty acts that it legitimatizes the, a biblical worldview, but it also legitimatizes Jesus as the climax and the center of all of it. And so we also remember him. In fact, we're called to remember him, to remember his sacrifices, and to remember what he remembered. Luke 22, verse 19, is part of that remembrance. It says that he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you, and it's the new covenant in my blood. So do this in remembrance of me. But he also, in John fourteen twenty six reminds us that we're given a new comforter, an advocate. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So remember, remember that God is with you. Remember that God has been with you in the past. God is with you in the present, and God will lead you into the future. So God's gracious to us. God knows that we suffer from spiritual amnesia. He knows we're forgetful, so he gives us memorials. And he commands us to do certain things so that we can be reminded of God's good work in our lives. So I've got a couple of takeaways for you here today just to think about um, things that I would actually invite you to do because I think they're action items that we can actually do in our lives. Um, there's sort of six practical things. And the first one is this, to sort of think. Um, what are some of the events that you can look back? Um, the same as sort of a, a pile of stones in your life that became a defining moment for you. When was the time when God showed up with power in your life? When God was guiding you in a clear way? When God answered a prayer? When God fulfilled an answer? Take time to think about that and to remember it. That's the first thing. The second thing is take time to be thankful. Um, engage your heart in gratitude for what God has done. Um, I will give thanks to the Lord, Psalm 9 says, with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. So being thankful is huge for us as well. A third thing is to actually take time to share these things. Um, you know, these uh, memorials that God has given us, these memories and remembering that God has given us are actually kinds of things that should overflow into our conversations. Um, maybe there's been an answer for prayer that you've had and God gave it and something amazing has happened. And so who do you get a chance to share that with? How do you share that? Um, these are the things that point to the reality of God in our lives, but also help people to catch a glimpse of God's reality in their life as well. And of course, we're told again that, you know, share these with your children. <laughs> you know, part of sharing is, you know, remind your children all that God has done. A fourth thing 
is develop some traditions. You know, we have already holiday and birthday traditions, but, but how can you sort of restructure those things or incorporate ways of telling stories in those moments about God's faithfulness as well? A fifth thing is um, keep a journal. Write out your prayer requests and then record the ways in which God answers your prayers. Write it down. And when you're feeling discouraged, one of the great things to do is actually go back through that and look because you'll see how God has been faithful to you, has been answering your prayers. And like I said a while ago, sometimes it may be a year later, but you look back and you go, oh, that's why I was experiencing that because God was bringing me to a whole new place. And then finally, experience God's grace and love through the acts of Jesus himself. You know, when we gather as a church and um, we, we together participate in the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism, and, and God is gracious to give us actual visual reminders of those things. Um, for the Lord's Supper, we, we actually take the bread in our hands, the cup, and we have a chance to actually feel that and experience it, even smell it, and, and we are caught up with our senses in it. For the one who's being baptized, you know, they're immersed in the water or sprinkled, and, um, and the rest of us get to participate by watching how God is claiming that life and, and is at work in that life. So let us be careful not to forget. Uh, may we be people who fight spiritual amnesia with a God-given means of remembrance. And, and remember, God's faithfulness is actually a kind of daily and intentional task that we need to embrace. Forgetting him is always a possibility. It's easy to fall into the mindset of, know thinking that we somehow have created our own success but nothing can be further from the truth because God is the one who's leading us sometimes when I'm thinking about this um, I'll think back about something and I'll say simply out loud I remember I remember but there's also times when I need to repent of my own sin and so I'll also say God I'm sorry I forgot. I forgot. So remember God's deliverance in the past. Remember God's benefits in the present. Remember God's promises in the future. And, and that God is the God who goes with us wherever we're at. Psalm 105, I'm going to end with this. It simply says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of his wonders, wonderful works, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, let their hearts rejoice. So I'm going to call the band to come back up for our final song. But before they do, I just want to say that um, we're singing a song called Graves into Gardens. And, and it has in it this wonderful, wonderful sayings and, and words, uh, lyrics that God turn, it says, you turn our mourning into dancing. You turn our shame into glory. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You are the only one who can. There's nothing better than you. So I would invite you, wherever you're at, just to stand and let's sing this song together.
So I'm really glad that you've been here today with us. Um, appreciate you being here. Um, looking forward to the time when we're actually going to see each other again and have an opportunity to be together. We're, we're actually um, working as a staff on sort of plans on you know what happens when we move into a place where we can begin to reopen so excited about those um, opportunities that would come but we realize that we're still in the midst of all this so um, we're trying to get our our ducks in order so that we can do what we need to do but I want to encourage you encourage you actually to continue to remember that whatever it is you're facing in this season or feeling in this season that God God is with you God is with you. God, God is with you not just as some sort of, um, you know, non-powerful God, but God is actually with all strength with you, able to do what you could never do by yourself. God is there to provide and be with you and guide you and help you and, and has been with us both past, present, and future and will continue to be there. So be encouraged by that. I want to do a benediction today. And the benediction comes actually from Lamentations 3, through 23. One of my favorite verses. It says this, The steadfast Lord, love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. May this be true for you today and in your life. So thanks for being here. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.